Welcome to iFollow. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a podcast that Frank Sinatra would hate. Coming at you in more than one take. Uh, the, the joke was that he likes things done in one take, if you guys didn't pick up on that. But um, <laughs> cutting back into it, just because I liked the other intro as much as possible. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the greatest visual ASMR podcast on Twitch. Um, this is I4O. Um, it is a tech news podcast. Um, but let the soothing sounds of our voices provide you with the visual aspect of that ASMR when you're listening to this in the podcast form after the fact. Um, but yeah, so we have a lot to talk about, um, a lot to talk about. I thought it was basically just going to be the Google roundup this week, but, um, Google managed to do quite a bit more than just <laughs> leak some information <laughs> about their products. Um, we have some, we have some follow-up, um, about, uh, what's it called? Apple and Amazon, um, we have some follow-up with Verizon, and we have some news uh, about people who may be running around screaming from an explosion that happened near LA the other day. So um, <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, I think we should just roll straight in to the first topic. Um, after throttling the firefighters uh, a while back, Verizon has praised itself for saving lives with its new ad campaign. Um, so th while this may not be released at the best possible time, uh, given the given Verizon's past with the emergency responders, um, you got to kind of admit that this is hilarious that like somebody had okayed this and this had gone through um, without anyone being like, wait a second. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, just, just roll it. Nobody will notice. <laughs> I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and think that they might have just missed that whole news debacle or <laughs> They may not be a listener and they might have just like okayed that but like, yeah that there uh, there were no internal meetings regarding all of that no nope. yeah <laughs> yeah so uh for anybody who isn't aware they had released an ad called enabling heroes um which basically just says to them it says from coast to coast and everywhere in between people rely on us to ensure they can communicate when they need it most our innovations and technologies allow first responders to do their jobs. What we do saves lives. And while that last statement is 100% true, they're saving lives out there. Uh, Verizon has done almost nothing to allow them to have dedicated lines like they tout that they have and have, to, have offered like no explanation, really. And it's, I don't know, I, I feel like if you're going to like, screw over a fire department you probably shouldn't run an ad campaign about how good your product is for that campaign or for that firefighter i don't know yeah it's just really weird i don't know how else to describe it there's like this yeah maybe this... maybe they worded it a little different like so we know we messed up right we're working really hard to uh, improve our our service during emergency situations i think that that sort of message would have been you know received yeah. differently right mm -hmm. but i they, that's my that that might be what they were going for but it didn't come across as that they yeah. were like oh yeah ignore everything that just happened just a couple of weeks ago on those fires in california we we really do work hard on yeah using the best service it's just you know, weird it's, because this the whole backbone of this ad is that you know, first responders can rely on Verizon to get their communications through when they need to, when that's not 
what happened. And I no. mean, they're they're talking about you know things in their infrastructure they have in place for emergency response. Even if network goes down, there's like there's they say they have drones so communications can stay up and all these things. But like it came down to just throttling basically emergency responders' ability to communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and I don't. I, I, and the fact that it happened on an unlimited plan, I think, somehow makes it even worse. Um, just because, like, they advertised, like, the, the word unlimited, as we've learned, means nothing in the telecom industry. It's just a, a gimmick put on a higher price plan to give you the impression that you have a more, that you can use your data more liberally. And um, the fact that the fire department is even a victim of this that is not reassuring for me about their ability to maintain dedicated lines. So, but it's, it's a fun little follow up on a topic that we uh, poked fun at a couple weeks ago. I thought it'd be cool to bring up just as like the opener for this one. But um, Irvin, I think you may be able to provide more information on the second one. Um, there's a bunch of coworkers around me today talking about the explosion that happened in California. Yeah. Um, or the, invasion, into... or, or the invasion, or the invasion, right? <laughs> the invasion, right? So a lot of a lot of conspiracy theories had a, a wild uh, night last night. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> so if you live in Southern California, I even saw pictures of people who I follow on Twitter who live in uh, San Fran, in San Francisco. They even saw this. Uh, SpaceX performed the launch uh, on their West Coast um, uh, launch pad at, at Vandenberg Air Force Base. Um, and uh, this was a uh, a new type, well, uh, a new type of launch. This was the first um, launch and landing at uh, on land at in, in Vandenberg. Um, and it, they launched around um, uh, right after sunset. So when you do that, you get this unique phenomenon when the rocket reach, reaches above a certain altitude. The sun actually shines on. Um, the, the fumes that it's being released and also the rocket itself and you get this amazing view um, and it looks surreal and I, I've seen some amazing pictures uh, posted all over the Twitter and the SpaceX subreddit uh, today and people who don't, aren't aware right, that this is happening, they're just driving home or whatever, just look outside their window and they see this and it probably freaks you out a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Matt, you're sharing some of the pictures if you could pull those up. But um, I was uh, earlier, but I've scrolled into the article. Yeah, you can go back though. It's a pretty awesome site. Um, and this, so this was yeah the first successful launch and landing um, on on land. Uh, so they have launched previously at on at the West Coast site uh, and landed on the drone ship out in the sea. But this was the first time that they actually brought back uh, the rocket. Um, on on the land, it was literally like maybe 300 feet from the launch site that they landed. Oh my back. god, it was really close. So That's like, cool. so um, it was really uh, cool to see. I, I, I watched it live um, yesterday. It was around 10:30. Um, you were telling me about that p.m. Um, it was really short flight or short in turn because it was a really small satellite. So really, that's why they could bring it back to, um, bring it back to the land site. Because if it's a bigger rocket, then it has to go out further, um, out to sea. That's why I have to use the drone ship. But in this case, they did not have to use uh, the drone ship. 
Very cool. But it gave it gave some uh, uh, fright to uh, some some LA residents, I'm sure, uh, if they weren't aware of what was going on. From the uh, sonic boom of the first. Yeah, so the sonic so the sonic boom was actually more affecting of the the nearby residential area because this is fairly outside of LA. So it's yeah, really was... so you can't hear the sonic boom in LA, but you could see uh, the rocket launch. The sun they did send a sonic boom warning to nearby residents of people who live near the Air Force Base. It's like around the Santa Barbara and Ventura area. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's really cool, and it's cool that it was a successful landing too, um, yeah. so, which means that it, this is probably the first of many that they're going to hear. It, yeah, just... so this 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 was their seventeenth launch this year, and uh, I think their overall total landings it's in the thirties, I think, or low high high twenties, low thirties around there. I forget the exact number. And it's just become normal at this point, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, the first time that they did it, make like huge headlines, and now they just do it routinely, and then nobody ever really mentions it. Yeah, I, th- I think it is uh, thirty landings exactly, yeah. if I'm yeah. not mistaken. But did also, am I mistaken, or did this deploy a satellite into orbit? This yeah, launch? yeah, so. yeah. So it deployed a satellite. I think it was for uh, Venezuela, oh, Argentina. Argentina's space agency to uh, monitor their um, the water levels to look out for predicting uh, future floods as and also measuring the uh, moisture in the uh, ground for their agriculture uh, to monitor right if people, if certain areas within their country are getting enough moisture to you know grow their uh, crops that they need. So if you want to measure stuff in the land, you want to get as far away as possible from it to do so. <laughs> Uh, no it's really cool though this is this is awesome stuff not only is it you know proving the technology of these rockets that can go up and then land right near where they launch from but also it's enabling countries like uh, argentina to monitor things that are hugely important and really cool that we're even able to do it all so yeah Mm -hmm. and while spacex is having a great day nasa is not oh yeah (laughs) Um, so the Hubble Space Telescope is currently in sleep mode after a failure of <laughs> one of its gyroscopes. So apparently this isn't the first time this has happened. And uh, judging from the frequency, it may or may not be the last time that this happens. Um, but the, the quote from NASA is, right now the Hubble Space Telescope is in safe mode while we figure out what to do. <laughs> So is that yeah. did the operator press the power button but not hold it down long enough? Is that what Probably. happened? <laughs> Sleep mode. It's installing yeah. updates. So yeah. you mentioned Matt. You mentioned that this has happened before, and it has. And the reason that they could have fixed it is that they had replacement gyros on board, and but this was the last one. There's no more replacement. So if they can't get this one to work again, the likelihood of bringing you know back the Hubble Space Telescope is um slim the chances of bringing it back because we don't have um a, a vehicle to uh to service it anymore so mm-hmm. previously the space shuttle was used to service it and we don't have that um anymore and there's really nothing that any country offers right now uh, or any company that offers uh to be able to launch something up there um humans more likely uh, to go on a on a um, on a spacewalk and and fix this uh, with a new part, for example. So um, it might be orbiting Earth for uh, a while 
in sleep mode uh, mm, before yeah. we can get something up and, there to fix uh, it. Just quickly skimming the article, it's not the end of the world either. Mm -hmm. um, it's the last one, but um, apparently, and thankfully, they had planned for these to fail at some point. So there are contingencies in place around what to do uh, when this type of a scenario happens. And they said that they knew it was coming. This wasn't a surprise to NASA. Mm -hmm. uh, it said it lasted about six months longer than we thought it would. And they had almost uh, pulled the plug on this back in the spring. Um, so it seems like this was on borrowed time already. So it's just um, it's such a weird thing to spend all that time and money getting a space telescope into orbit and then to have a gyroscope be the point of failure for that. <laughs> it's like, uh... meanwhile, SpaceX is literally landing its first stages right. successfully, like on the other side of the country. Yeah. So uh, well, this, this uh, thing's this thing's been up there. I mean, it was launched in 1990s. So we're talking 28 years of use which is mm -hmm. pretty astounding. they're working and I, I don't know how it may be retired soon too i think they're working on building its replacement uh, i think its name is gaia um which is apparently a far more powerful telescope yeah i've heard something about that on the news recently um mm -hmm. maybe it's so, uh, actually i think i'm thinking of something else that's also named gaia but carry on maybe um but yeah we i i feel like nasa has a plan in place for this and um, it's not the end of the world, but it's definitely not a good way to start your Monday <laughs> to just know that your space telescope up there meant to pave the way for discovery in space is now just kind of a floating can just drifting around. Um, <laughs> space trash. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of crashes, uh, children's TV shows are now not doing nearly as well as they used to, given the success of YouTube. Uh, this is something that... Uh, given the amount of fun that we've made, like when it comes to just like how scary YouTube suggestions for children are, like I didn't, I didn't, I can't say I saw this one coming, but at the same time, it's not surprising to me at all that um, a lot of the kids programs are being moved to YouTube and to other platforms from uh, television. Um, and in particular, the Atlantic um, posted that um, America in particular was at the center of the success for children's TV shows and entertainment. Um, and it looks like that's becoming a bit more global. So it's a cool topic to, to read up on. Um, but I didn't realize just how much of a grip that we had on children's cartoons and like just entertainment in general. Um, but um, and this in this article is a um, a link to an article from the Atlantic, which goes into much more detail over this. But um, the a lot of the non traditional animation companies are breaking through um, into YouTube. So this kind of this open platform provides these smaller uh, animators and um, filmmakers and just creative minds just another avenue to get their product out so of course they're going to take it and they don't have to go through any of the bureaucracy and red tape of something like um nickelodeon or disney channel or something um that being said i don't know uh, how much of this has been moved to netflix or to say like other streaming services that may offer more children's entertainment also um, arguably higher quality perhaps yeah. or better curated 
right? Because well, you talked about this earlier. Emphasis some on purity. Some, some of this content on YouTube that is designated for kids is yeah. really on, you know, on the edge. Well, that brings a whole question into play about moder- who, like who's moderating the material and what messages right. it's sending to yeah. children. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully and, parent, parents are paying attention to that. Yeah, and, and uh, just kind of going off of what you were saying and as well as like towards what the end of the article is getting at, uh, Google, I think I'm pretty sure the minimum age that you can have for an account is 13 on, on YouTube. And well, that's on any online account on well, the internet. Yeah. And yeah. by definition, I think Google would use those metrics to filter content away from younger audiences because I feel like that it, they are much less likely to be using that platform. Or in more importantly, it's a platform that google has taken the stance that children don't watch youtube yeah so the the 13 is is uh for just a regular uh youtube account but if you do have a kid younger than 13 you can make a special uh youtube account for them um Mm -hmm. that's designated as such i would think also Um, that a lot of kids are watching content under someone else's account like their parent just goes and puts on something for them yeah but Mm -hmm. and um but yeah, the the Atlantic has a piece raised by YouTube, um, so it's a good discussion point to start from. But it, we definitely don't have time to yeah. go into full detail with uh, all the all the ins and outs of this incredibly nuanced topic. But it's definitely like a really big eye opener because I, I had no idea that YouTube was pulling as much as it was away from the children's entertainment industry from like traditional platforms. Yeah. Just a PSA in case you weren't aware, uh, Sesame Street is now an HBO show. I don't know if you guys knew that. It happened a while That's ago. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for that uh, Sesame Street Game of Thrones crossover. Yeah, me too. Or, or Westworld. The Sopranos. Or Westworld. Or th- Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think oh, that would oh, be great. I, th- I think The Sopranos <laughs> would be great. Oh, man. Yeah. That gives. It, you don't want to give. Um, what's his name? Uh, what's that director's name who's who's doing uh westworld um he did batman also i was like you don't you definitely don't want to give him Nolan? you definitely don't want to give christopher i don't want to see the snuffleupagus as interpreted by christopher nolan because it would take like 35 episodes and i would need a notebook in order to <laughs> like decrypt what it means for the bigger picture of the plot um oh, but yeah that, that's a fun tangent yeah but nice. it's actually Jonathan Nolan and his brother. Yeah. I think they West co-wrote West. it, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, either way, they're both just as ridiculous <laughs> in their writing platform. Like, the Westworld, like, go, to go on a complete tangent, like, I can't follow that show anymore. Like, the first season was all right. And then I started watching the second season, and I just kind of dropped off because, like, I was tired by the end of it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> just, like, mentally exhausted from trying to keep up with the story. Yeah but it's a great show i mean it's really well done but um something else that's really well done to roll right back into it (laughs) jeff is rolling in his seat right now is um the series shortcuts app and urban you and i both have first-hand experience yeah we have uh stranded uh jeff on android island Uh, (laughs) um after luring him over wait hold on matt are you an iphone user now um briefly yeah 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you guys convinced me. Does it make you, does to it get make a... you feel any better that within arm's reach is also a pixel too? Yeah, it helps a little bit. Okay. Right. I yeah. need them both within arm's reach. It's, okay. I have my little I mean, triggers. I'm still an iOS user too, but not, you know. I won't get mm -hmm. into it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that uh, lured me over to the other side was the... Uh, was Apple's recent adaptation of Siri suggestions uh, in the form of the app called Shortcuts. Uh, and Jeff, you might find this interesting as well. Um, it's like from, from my use, from my experience with it, it's essentially programming on iOS. Um, it's very much akin to the Android app Tasker in that you can script various events and have it look for um, like just any kind of action or input or you can do like anything from voice input to dialogue boxes to calendar events um in some upcoming updates and you can and, get so advanced that you can reach into like apis and pull information for third-party sources you can do loops and and if statements and variables and uh so it can be really high level or you can get really down into it and really yeah. program special functions that previously weren't uh, possible um, on iOS and just by trigger uh, those actions just by a voice command, uh, for example, to Siri. And like a lot of them are stupid. Like <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just like a lot of them are very simple and don't get the point across. Like um, in some of mine, I literally have one that plays the Apple Pay success tone. That's all it does. I have another one that like does an ASCII keyboard, another one that plays a random episode of The Office from Netflix. Um, <laughs> and like Urban, to Urban's dismay, I have an X-Files one. Um, <laughs> and it just plays the X-Files theme. That's all it does. And then it shows for, a live broadcast of SpaceX. What's that? It shows a live broadcast of SpaceX. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and the other one which is this article, um, this has so far been one of the better examples of when I try to show people what Siri Shortcuts is capable of. Um, it's also sad that we have to make this type of shortcut in today's yeah. world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, if you were to say that you're being pulled over, uh, the program will pause music that you're playing. It will turn down the brightness on your iPhone and flip on Do Not Disturb. Uh, after that's done, it will send a quick text to a predetermined contact to inform them that you've been pulled over. It will begin recording the iPhone's front-facing camera. Um, once you stop recording, it can text or email the video to a different contact uh, and save it to Dropbox. And it also texts your location out there to whoever you want. Hmm. So, like, it's nice to know that like you can just with a shortcut immediately have people be informed that you're pulled over have a recording of the entire transaction and since the screen brightness is turned almost all the way down it's impossible to really tell if the phone's really doing anything so you can just leave it there recording especially if it's mounted on your dashboard because um, if not worst case scenario you just have an audio recording which is probably good enough anyway um Oof. Yeah, this is it's a uh, lot, and it's like Irvin said, it's kind of sad that we're in a society where that's a, a where that's as good of an idea as it is to have for a shortcut. I mean, kudos for providing 
this toolkit to allow people to defend, protect, you know, mm-hmm. ensure themselves in these situations. But yeah, it's utterly depressing. Yeah. <laughs> this is like yeah. a necessity now. It's like, oh, everybody needs this. They need to be able to record themselves when the cops get them. Like, yeah. People want to hold themselves accountable and hold the police accountable for making sure that they're doing their jobs. That's And that's an entirely different topic in itself. But now pretty much whenever people tell me that iPhones can't do anything, my response is just shortcuts. Because this is one of the more feature-rich things that Apple, I think, has done when, when it comes to catering to the, the heavy, um, the more, I'm trying to think of the term, um, the the more a person who likes to tinker with mm, yeah. various functionality on the device. Yeah. Is, is this available sure. on iOS, like a blanket across all devices? If you get so every, every, every app, every phone that runs iOS 12, which is anything above a 5S, mm-hmm. 5S and newer, uh, can have this app so okay. they can download it. It doesn't come on the phone when you install iOS 12. Uh, you have to go to the app store and download it, but um, it's available for you uh, so- to do that. If you are an iOS user, iOS 12 user that is, and you are expecting or pre- planning to prevent uh, any issues with wrongdoing with police, you might want to turn off uh, face unlock in this situation too. I've heard stories <laughs> yeah. recently of police basically holding the iPhone up to suspect's face and it unlocks the phone and actually incriminated that individual. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's apparently just part of a search warrant too. Yeah, yeah. Like just being having your face biometric, um, yes. biometrics in general, actually fingerprints as um, well, right? Yep. Yeah. That being said, though, there is a way that if you haven't enabled this and you are an iPhone user, that I suggest you do. Where I think if you just hold down the volume up and the the power button for a few seconds, it will disable biometrics, the, uh, the biometrics, and force a pin. Yeah, we, d- we definitely covered this on our previous episode yep. as well. But, and, yeah. and, you know, I'm obviously mm-hmm. not condoning, you know, committing crimes here. I'm just yeah. putting pointers out there to people if yep. you think you'll need it. Yeah. And if you go to New Zealand, I think they require this in customs or they like, well, it's like just part of the search if mm-hmm. they search you. Mm-hmm. And declining this is a $5,000 fine there. So, yep, I've heard of that as well. Take the fine if you want it or whatever. Up to you. Or just don't go to New Zealand. Or just don't go to New Zealand, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'd be missing out on some cool pictures, but that's probably about the worst of it. And lots of Lord of the Rings history. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, this is just one of the more more useful uses of the Shortcuts app. And an interesting thing is that Apple really didn't create this app. It was an app called Workflow that some third party made and then Apple bought it and then integrated more deeply into iOS, which gives, of course, additional features that, you know, regular third party apps can't do. Um, But the idea didn't come directly from Apple, but it was great to, you know, for them to bring it into the OS itself and really get deep into the operating systems to do more, uh, you know, phone specific things. Matt, did you show did you show uh, the screenshot of the like syntax of creating that shortcut? Because I see they have that on the article here. Yeah, I can put it back up briefly. Just, the uh, the send message thing. Yeah, it's, I mean it's it's pretty cool. It kind of reminds me of some technology I've used in the past. You guys might be familiar with where you drag oh, really? and drop some uh, some back end coded uh, graphical objects to create 
some functionality. Yeah. And you, you can pass information from one object to another and then do have that, um, have a new action do something else with whatever it's getting from a different action. It, it really can be really powerful. Um, and uh... I've read uh, people posting on social media, particularly Reddit, because of the, the shortcuts uh, subreddit is fairly active, mm-hmm. um, especially now because it's like brand new and people are just learning exactly now what they're actually able to do with this. Yeah. Uh, one guy was able to like automate his entire workflow where he uses his iPhone to take calls, but at the same time he had it like listening for certain key phrases and it would log them into calendar events. Uh, it would have counters for like how many times um, that a person had scheduled a meeting so he could like see all of his meetings for the week in a number representation. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he had basically done all of the um, just like busy work behind booking his meetings so that way he can just focus on actually just making so the meetings themselves. That would, I mean, not to go off on another tangent here, but that would listen to the audio of his phone calls to run tasks based on what that the conversation was, was. The understanding that I got from it, huh. I might be completely butchering so it. I'm, but, I'm, I'm um, wondering, this, this processing has to be done on the back end somewhere, not on the actual phone, right? No, it's all on the phone. Wow, that yeah. is that is incredible. Yeah. It's all yeah. on the phone. So one one that I created for me specifically that helps with uh, uh, my job is that I can just go to Siri and say uh, uh, meeting notes. And what I'll do is read my current calendar and uh, it gives me a list of all the meetings that I have today. I can select one. It'll take all the attendees who attended, who didn't and everything. It'll uh, put it into uh, a text and then pass that on to OneNote. I use OneNote as my note-taking app. So let's say after a meeting, fresh after a meeting that I go to for for my job, uh, I could just say that, select the meeting, and then quickly type out some notes that happen right, you know, fresh that are fresh on my mind, mm-hmm. and it has all the records of okay, where what well, the meeting, the stu- subject of the the meeting, and also the attendees, and then I can type out the notes uh, right then and there, and it's really you know quick and easy, and then it sticks back to my computer when I get back to my desk. Um, it's really useful, and it took me about an hour of tinkering you know to put that together tie everything and and um the fun thing about uh, this is you mentioned the subreddit uh matt is it's really easy to share these Mm -hmm. with other people it creates an icloud link that you can send to any of your uh, ios friends and they can click on it and they can import it into their shortcuts app but from there you can also modify it so let's say someone created something really cool but you need a slight tweak to it that makes it even perfect for your specific use case mm-hmm. you go in and, and, and edit it and change to behave exactly how you want it very cool um, mm-hmm. i like that you mentioned uh time in that description as well as it, it took you an hour to write this thing but think of all the hours you're saving by using right. this so yeah. i mean that's yeah. that's pretty much like machine learning etc um in a nutshell you, you put some time in up front and it saves you tons of time as a result yeah. Mm-hmm. There's I, some missing functionality that uh, has frustrated some of my potential use cases, yeah. and like Irvin's over here, like automating half of his job, and meanwhile I'm just like, I'm trying <laughs> to do this so I can set three alarms at the same time without yeah. having to push multiple buttons. And um, <laughs> there was one that uh, I thought was pretty cool, and it's um, it will. There's a shortcut that I saw for the beta version, which has rolled out is rolling out some new functionality, which gives you a bit more information around um let's say like weather and information i think 
when it comes to the like calendar and i'm hoping that some clock functionality will roll out just because it's fairly limited in that regard but the one that i liked uh, and i can't wait for that update to become into the public release is there is one that will check the humidity index and it will tell you if it's safe to run with your dog or not because i take my dog out into the dog park and i mean granted summer is coming to an end but it would be very useful to know if the humidity index is the heat index is really high mm-hmm. so that way i can limit her exposure outside and minimize her risk of any kind of injury also related to the heat you know yeah summer's ending but i assume based off previous knowledge in my life that there will be another summer next year so <laughs> the potential is yeah. pretty good you never I know like but i'm pretty sure yeah you know, i know betting man <laughs> i i hope they bring this type of functionality to the mac desktop mm-hmm. i think i could see a lot of really useful potentials so there's something like that already in the mac that has been around for uh, decades if i if i'm not wrong it's called uh automator python um, oh wait no <laughs> automator automator has a very similar interface to this and has been on the mac for decades um, on Mac OS is it's been on there for a very, very long time and it's been sort of deprecated. Um, and I hope in the next version of Mac OS, they'll bring in, bring over, uh, this, uh, feature. One thing that happened, I think it was today or yesterday, someone tweeted, um, at Tim cook to say, Hey, we shouldn't, uh, well, we need this, uh, shortcuts app on the Mac. And he liked the tweet. And then I see these articles, people freaking out. Does this mean it's going to come into the Mac? <laughs> yeah, like all he did was like the tweet. He didn't reply to it. Nothing. All he did was like it. And then you see all these articles of like <laughs> these Mac publications specifically freaking out. Another, oh another chapter in the power of Twitter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The one thing that I think that this opens a door for that I don't think many people have thought about, or I'm sure maybe they have, but is the potential to expose so many more people to programming. Yeah. And just giving them an easy to use upfront uh, visual, like graphics based form of programming. Mm -hmm. Not all, and like, you know, like, like I could imagine, only imagine some of the stuff that like younger kids can do with this. Well, that's kind of what I was going to comment back to you on is a lot of um, learning platforms for children to learn how to code involve graphical objects that are, you know, put in like sequences and organized as loops or what have you to teach them kind of how to think like a coder. And I'm not comparing people who are learning to use these things as like to children, but they are novice coders as well. And I think that this is a great way to, like you said, get into that kind of realm. That yeah, thinking space. Even just from poking around in the settings, like I, I, I was able to kind of find my bearings. So I feel like that if somebody who is less experienced with software were to mess around with this, they given some documentation and maybe a resource or two, they'd be able to pick this up in a day. So yeah, it's just I mean trial and error, if nothing else. Yeah. And if you yeah, and like like the, when you're learning how to code, I don't know if you're like me, but you look online for something similar, wind up finding this crazy complex script that somebody wrote, but then kind of learning how all the functions and everything work from it. Mm-hmm. Stack Overflow is my crutch. Yeah, it's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm a Stack Overflow programmer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm I'm just 
as a as a software developer, I, I just was like excited that that it has as much potential as it does, and like being able to do some like on the side programming, like just to make my life easier, is just one more way that I think that um, it it's gonna help the industry in general. But not only that, but also give more customizability to iOS. Yeah which is a big gripe for people who are more technically oriented. And if by chance you're listening to this and you kind of get what we're talking about, but not really, <laughs> and you're uh, like a, an email client user, like maybe your Microsoft Outlook or something like that, if you've ever used a rule for your emails incoming where you can mm -hmm. filter them to different folders, perform different actions, display alerts, things like that, um, it's kind of the same deal. You know, you're your operating system in that case windows in this case ios gets some kind of input and based on something you've told it to do it will do the work for you so mm -hmm. so we talked about making lives a little bit easier you know who's not making the lives at apple no. <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> not easier i throw uh, tier segue is uh, a publication called bloomberg who had a massive drop of a of a news story uh, right after our show last week, um, saying that um, Chinese, uh, the Chinese government specifically has been installing spy chips in to servers that are being sold to uh, a whole plethora of, of companies. It includes Apple, and Amazon, and others as well, um, who use Supermicro uh, servers uh, in their in their data centers specifically. It's just a man with a trench coat and a mustache near the assembly <laughs> line, just like standing there. He's getting a little closer every time they look, look away and look back. <laughs> Get out. Get out. So, so yeah, the, this, this story dropped last week and it was kind of crazy. And it, almost immediately, both Amazon and Apple came out hard in the, in uh, denying these allegations, um, which is uh, yeah, kind of tracking device. <laughs> this is kind of crazy because if they are actively, you know, denying these allegations, but behind the scenes that they know this is true, then it's a huge sort of, you know, violation of, of, you know, saying publicly out to the, to the world as well as to their shareholders, um, lying outright saying that this is not happening, yeah. but they're really, and they're, they're doubling down again this week. Um, and they have sent out a um, notice to the Congress as well, uh, mm -hmm. saying that... Um, Usually when they're not the, sure, they leave some kind of a gray area right. in their statement, yeah. but um, it's a little more reassuring to know that they were just like, nope, this isn't in here. Don't worry about it. Like, so, they weren't like, no, 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 like this... We don't, we don't, we're not intentionally doing anything like this, blah, blah, blah. And like, they never had some, like, there's no gray area here. They were just like, nah, never. I'm just, I have so many questions about this story. I mean, first of all, like, who is doing this reporting? I mean, I, I understand that, you know, there's, uh, I believe, a Bloomberg Business Week report, which kind of dropped this, but like, how can someone say this if is Apple and Amazon are they just saying that this is not true to cover their own rear ends or I mean is this just like clickbait kind of deal I mean they're saying that maybe it was confused with the 2016 incident in which um, you know they discovered an infected driver on a single super micro server which is a super micro um, 
is the manufacturer that's coming into question here. Were these microchips planted onto other hardware, which were then used by Apple and Amazon, or was there someone inside those facilities who, you know, kind of was working as a grunt putting these onto the devices after they'd been installed? And if this is actually happening, why did it take until now to be discovered? So many questions. Yeah, there's there's apparently 17 anonymous sources who contributed to these articles, to this article at Bloomberg. Um, so, you know, Bloomberg did their due diligence and, and checked with multiple sources uh, and looks like they have 17 of them. Of course, they weren't named yeah. um, of who they are. Um, so, I don't, see, yeah, I have a hard time with this article as well. I don't know. I don't know who to believe. I yeah, mean, and that's the problem with, like, technology like this like you're not you don't make this so you don't know you know what i mean like you don't have like i don't have intimate knowledge of circuit boards so i don't know i don't know what it is so that's something right there that would cause some misdirection for someone and lead to them not being able to trust it another thing is that not only do you have these guys coming out and saying stuff but also china's like we are a resolute defender of cybersecurity and it's like um it's like while, <laughs> I, while I respect your opinion like, right it's like, I don't uh, know if I believe it <laughs> it's like, I and, like and then to add to that I mean it, to their to to China's like to give them the benefit of the doubt would be saying that like China like we are the the biggest purchaser of Chinese goods so therefore, why would they try to sabotage that by introducing this misdirection and mistrust? I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm with you guys. I have no idea how to interpret this. I mean, furthermore, right? Like if they were to be, you know, leaking data through these chips that were installed, they would have to be able to mask themselves from the network cards and those devices that ultimately communicated the information out from these facilities and i know for a fact that companies as big as apple and amazon use things like wireshark and uh i'm having trouble remembering the name of the other software but basically monitoring changes and monitoring communications in your networks i find it very hard to believe that this would get out without being noticed someone, at some point someone noticing right right you have so people like, is this just there. it's like their job to monitor the network and the input <laughs> output on what's going on in there right it's just, just like a very extreme case of these companies just failing like incredibly hard on doing what they're in, you know trusted to do with consumer information. Mm-hmm. Um, is this some insanely like smart and in, like secretive chip that was developed to do this that somehow like masked all of this stuff? Yeah, I think the the allegations were saying that it was like a grain of rice sized chip that was masking well, as a companion chip on the circuit board that's um, even that's fine like i don't really expect someone to go in with like a microscope and look at their circuit board and analyze every part every day but yeah. like what the chip is doing should have been noticed on the software side and network side i would think yeah yeah and like it's it's so hard to to vet this kind of stuff when you have products being made at such a scale. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like there was, there was a, 
Irvin, you probably saw this the video. I don't know if I don't know if you've watched him as much as we do, Jeff, but Marquez uh Brownlee was talking about uh like the various iPhone issues and he was saying that if there was um a problem with only like what two percent of the iPhones it's less than that. He said zero point zero one percent of iPhones. Twenty one thousand phones. Yeah. Yeah. So like when you're making stuff at that scale, it's zero point zero. Like that's way lower. Yeah. Um when you're making stuff at that scale, it's extremely hard to vet the products and make sure that someone's not taking like not some third party reseller might be doing this, like buying them in bulk and then just applying this to the circuit board after the fact and then selling it. So you have so many workers at these factories, right? They're all made in China um, or in another um, Asian country like um, Korea, South Korea. Um, all these electronics are being manuf- manufactured and you don't know, it could be a rogue employee who's being paid to, you know, put these chips on the motherboard. Um, yeah. and yeah, it's, it certainly is possible. There's so many bodies between it being manufactured and you holding the device in your hands. Right. Yeah. So it's really impossible to say who does what. And also are the same people who make these statements? Do they have that same level of visibility all the way down the supply chain? Probably not. So here's, an, here's another noteworthy item is that they're saying that this was used for gathering intellectual property and trade secrets, but no personal information was gathered using these chips. So Mm. how do they know that? How did the people who installed these little rice-sized chips know which servers were going where? And is there maybe, I refuse to get political on an in-depth level, but is there maybe some correlation with the kind of arguments towards China in general with trade seekers intellectual property here is maybe where's the proof where's I'm gonna I'm gonna counter your conspiracy and I'm gonna raise you (laughs) another conspiracy um by saying that we talked about um the Apple lawsuit a couple weeks ago uh the company with uh Qualcomm I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, it's Qualcomm trying to take some IP back from Apple, maybe, <laughs> or vice versa. Maybe this is Apple's bug that they found. Wow. Oh, man. Trying to read stuff from the firmware of the um, of the Qualcomm CPU so that way they can give money to Intel. Intel comes out with Whiskey Lake. Now we've got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it just another tiny step back here? Maybe not so tiny, but isn't it weird that this is how we have to analyze news? Yeah, you get something that's supposed to be factual, and we have to say, "Hmm, what's the motive behind this?" <laughs> yeah, it's like, like we didn't do it. Yeah, yeah it's well. like, and it's also like a couple months ago, maybe a year ago, right? The the Huawei was doing this huge push. Huawei is a huge Chinese manufacturer of phones. Was doing this huge push to launch in the U.S. and right. uh, all the carriers backed down from the recommendation of the government, saying uh, you shouldn't let these phones into the country because they could potentially, you know. Uh, have devices in there that are sending data back to the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no proof to that whatsoever. Huawei denied it, but they're strong against the strong recommendation from the U.S. government that the carriers back down on letting these phones onto the network. And that's ZTE as well, right? Yeah. Same kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a little wishy-washy. It does make you 
at least question things at the very least but yeah um, i'm curious how this will play out i'm, I'm very curious yeah what, yeah what will happen because either someone has to be lying someone someone's not telling the truth and we have to see it's either bloomberg and their sources or it's these big companies who are putting everything they have against denying or, or towards denying this right and what it looks like and if you want to make this political again they are anonymous sources well you know kind of i i agree but kind of the the going rate so to speak for these more reputable news companies is that if you're gonna write an article based on an anonymous source there better be like a hundred percent you yeah. you know what they're telling you is true based on some kind of evidence they've presented you that's right what's typically happening here and, and, and from from things that i've read that the, the bloomberg has been working on this story for a year at well, least it says the investigation started in 2015. Hmm. so you know do your timeline work there but 2015 we had a different president <laughs> too so that is a couple uh, years ago yeah and while on the topic of conspiracy sort of still uh amazon is involved in this story so yeah um but enough with know. apple enough with amazon i'm doing my segue of the night now we're going to talk google um, let's get angry at google before we get excited with google and we have a couple of things to talk about with google yeah matt um <laughs> so title of this article google did not disclose security bug because it feared regulation so there's a software bug giving third-party developers access to private profile data of its google plus social network Wow, all mm. 10 of their users. Yeah. Um, you included, Irvin. Me included. Well, until until today, right? Until today. <laughs> and actually, when you were saying that during the pre-show, in about that five-second time span, I also deleted mine. <laughs> I'm going to be doing mine after the show. I'm going yeah. to delete that real fast. Well, my I tried reason... to set it up like twice because Irvin did it, and I was like, oh, I should try it. Maybe I'm missing out on something. And then I just like, nah, I don't like it. Well, in response... Right, but in response, Google's going to be shutting down consumer functionality of the service over the next 10 months. Um, and Google didn't disclose this breach when it first discovered it in March to avoid regulatory scrutiny and reputational damage, according to the Wall Street Journal. So I'll let you guys have at this. Uh, this is pretty close. Like, people were immediately drawing comparison to Cambridge Analytica mm -hmm. um, just because like, they covered this up and they didn't talk about it. <laughs> And uh, this definitely is not the news that Google needed a day before their huge event that comes out uh, for tomorrow. Um, uh, but they're the ones actually who published this blog post. So it's yeah. not like it, this was leaked from an well, anonymous I mean, yeah. source. But sure, sure. It's they, not the best news. No, it's That's not. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like they don't, they, I'm pretty sure that the Google's PR team didn't want to have to work on this before Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> pretty um, much. Google says in their in their blog post that uh, up to half a million Google Plus accounts were potentially affected, um, and their analysis shows up to 438 applications may have used this API that exposed this private information uh, on these Google Plus profiles. Mm -hmm. um, but they found no evidence that any developer was actually aware of this bug or abusing this API. Well, so they found the bug, but they don't have any evidence that any developer was actually exploiting this because I think most developers weren't investing any time in developing <laughs> programs to interact with the API that they were offering. Probably yeah. not, right? It's Probably. not, it, it's no Facebook, but another reason why, I mean, you know, they, they say they're 
avoiding regulatory scrutiny and reputational damage. If you recall, this Cambridge Analytical Facebook debacle was making headlines back in April or so. And if this was discovered in March, <laughs> they're probably thinking, let's sit on this a while. And then Facebook already took the brunt of this. And like you yeah. said, Irvin, Google Plus is no Facebook. So, yeah. Hasn't exactly been a good year for Google so far, especially mm. this summer in particular. Yeah. Um, they've had, there's been like rumors of the, like they've each had to testify for data and privacy practices. There's the risk of election meddling, um, the potential for uh, conservative bias, which isn't really how it works, but that's fine. Um then there was like the critical statements from the the president, uh, and then when you want to go even deeper, there was that five billion dollar fine from the EU for that um, antitrust or no from the yeah from the antitrust abuse of the of Android yeah that they had to pay back yeah with the so Play Store not a great year for Google no not really <laughs> and then when you take into I I think that I've seen more Pixel three leaks than I will see photos of the phone after it's released or have you. Or have oh, you? Yeah. Oh, Dude, oh, we're Irvin, still going with that, huh? Irvin like shattered my brain earlier today with a tweet that came straight from Made by Google, yeah. and it was they were like they just launched a video, um, just playing all of the leaks footage out there, and they're yeah, like from all these YouTubers, the famous YouTubers who have been doing is like oh, Pixel has been has been Pixel three has been leaked fully. We know everything about the phone, um, and then they just end the video saying. Or do you? Yeah. Dude, well, if the, I you, swear to God, if this phone, they're like, no notch. They're yeah. Like, not you, remember, you remember when I told you about the no notch conspiracy, right? Yeah. yeah so. And I, I, I honestly, I, I didn't want to believe you. I, I was like, they're, they can't do this. And most people were, who, who looked at that conspiracy, they're like, yeah, they're not going to do this. What if they're like, but if they did, this would be like the biggest PR stunt, yeah. successful PR stunt in, a long time you're hearing it right here right now if they do that i'm calling an emergency episode tomorrow so we can yeah. just like scream about this yeah <laughs> now releasing the google microchip which is already implanted in your brain <laughs> like you thought we weren't releasing a pixel watch jokes on you it's only a pixel watch this year. <laughs> that's all we're, that's all you're getting oh man so what, what back to google plus is one one interesting little tidbit that I saw it says in here that uh, their engagement has been really low uh, really? for Google Plus it says 90% of the Google Plus user sessions are less than 5 seconds I'm surprised oh they're even that so I'm, I'm just picturing I'm just picturing them them someone logging into Google Plus and then just turning around saying nope 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 just go I will bet you that most of that is me because I'm just like, oh man, I really want to give it a shot this time. Then I'm like, oh right, I remember why I don't use this anymore. And then I'll, I close the app. I'll be honest, I think I made mine in like 2011 or whatever it was back then, like when it first launched. And I think that since like maybe the first couple months of that, anytime I've gotten to my Google Plus page or anyone else's, it's completely been by accident. Mm -hmm. It used to be a sport of mine to delete my Google Plus profile as many times as I could. Every time, like I would wait for it to pop back up and my like get the email for like welcome because like every time you deleted it, they would just add it back after a while. Um, when it was like first, when it was like a new thing, and I like made a post about it on what maybe it was like MySpace or something, being like <laughs> this isn't right. So like I'm gonna get rid of it and it's gonna not come back and it's gonna be a weird experience for me. <laughs> Let's imagine like somewhere in a dark 
you know, isolated room, there's a gateway desktop running Windows Millennium Edition that's hosting this Google Plus. Yes. <laughs> it's all dusty and forgotten. Yeah. yeah. Google Plus is out of my top five on MySpace. <sighs> Just laying it down. Oh, right there. Big moves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> MySpace Tom gets bumped up to number one. <laughs> This is my number one. Okay. Um, we should move into other topics though, because we do have a bit to talk about. Like the data um, breach. Data breach. Yeah. And then they were caught covering it. And the EU is going to be slapping them with a, a potentially very hefty fine. Um, uh, but I, I want to talk about the apps for a brief bit, because I don't think we mentioned this at all. Because um, they were saying that, Irvin, you mentioned that they have no evidence that these. The data was misused, but that being said, I don't know fully what the definition of misused is. And when you give um, information such as full names, email addresses, birth dates, gender, profile photos, places lived, occupation, and relationship statuses to 438 applications, there's no way to track that information anymore. And the EU is going to have a field day with this yeah it's pretty bad yeah um this is gonna be a very big fine um i think some of the rumors were talking upwards of a 3.3 billion euro fine for just the uk customers data breach um so google's gonna have a very expensive christmas this time of year did you know also on that list, I'm sorry if I missed it, but did you, did you also note political views and health information? No. Yeah, those are also apparently in that list. Oh, my God. Which personalizes it far more. Yeah. And it, the fact that it comes from Android, iPhones, like you name it, it's being farmed from those devices. Like it's not a good look at all for Google. Goodness. And Goodbye, Google Plus. Um, I never would have expected it to end this way, uh, going out in such a ball of fire, but I guess it, it needed to have one last hurrah before it went off into the dark night. Oh, my gosh. I thought, I thought it would just, like, linger on the internet forever, but, like, not really do anything. Yeah, the quietest social network. Yeah. You know, I think There's going to be a movie about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if AIM couldn't stick around, Google Plus certainly couldn't. Yeah. It's just run on the same server that Smarter Child is run. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have, if you guys are, if you, unless you guys had anything closing about that breach, um, I think we should wrap up with some of the final, potentially all of this might be wrong, uh, rumors for the Google event tomorrow. I really hope that all of this is just way off. Just like way wrong. Oh, yeah. I don't know. There have been failures in the ability to contain this event across multiple products. Yeah. Like you have the Chromecast not selling. You have the the people like well, was Engadget actually bought a Pixel Three yeah. and unboxed it already. Like you have the someone like I, like I said the Chromecast that someone bought from Best Buy. That story so, kills me. <laughs> I know, and <laughs> just some fact... high, just some high schooler that works at Best Buy accidentally selling like the new gen of Chromecast that they weren't supposed to have. Yeah, that person probably was fired. 
if they weren't fired, then that's kudos for Best Buy for being so forgiving, for never being allowed to sell a Google <laughs> product like that again, or yeah. never getting it early ever again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this has been a year to remember when it comes to just the sheer number of leaks. Um, and basically, uh, if you were to go off of what we have now, basically the only thing we're missing is the stats and like the raw stats, the camera capability, and the um, like the slide deck for the event. Aside from that, we have pretty much everything already. Allegedly. Um, we, I'll tell you one thing. We don't know what the commercials are going to be. Those are still yeah. hidden from us. So, <laughs> One piece of news that came out today is that the, according to some sources that the Pixel 3 will not be available on uh, T-Mobile. Um, which is a point, disappointment, I think. Just being stuck, you know, having that exclusive in the U.S. Uh, with Verizon. Not so an exclusive because you can still buy it unlocked. But as we know, most people do not buy their phones unlocked. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you're just stuck on one carrier, you're, you're, um, you know, your your potential of you know spreading to more and more people is is reduced greatly. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, I mean, there, there's a Pixel Three here, it's Pixel Three XL, and other than that, it looks like there's a Google Home Hub, maybe Pixel Slate for a tablet. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pixel Slate should be interesting. I want to see that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think they've given on up on Android tablets and they're fully going on on Chrome OS tablets and merging because, of course, Chrome OS now runs Android apps as well, right. uh, which I think is a, a good strategy uh, to go off of. I've, I've seen some good things in terms of just regular Chrome OS tablet or laptops. Um, um, they're, they're fairly good devices overall. So I'm interested to see what... Um, you know, first-party uh, tablet type of device will look like from Google. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially since this is their last or their first foray into the tablet market since what the Nexus Nine? No, the Pixel C. The Pixel. Oh, right, I forgot the, about that. Thing. The Pixel C was uh, rumored to, you know, la- launch with a Chrome OS type of operating system, but ne- that never happened, and just launched right. with uh, regular Android. I totally forgot about that device. Yeah, the Pixel C. That was the most forgettable tablet I've ever seen. <laughs> and the most expensive one, too. Yeah. Um, they, they, I don't think they mentioned it, but they're... Oh, wait, no, they did, I think. A potential update for the Chromebook that's going to be the Pixelbook. So, Pixel. yeah, yeah, it's either this Pixel Slate with a keyboard or there's a separate Pixelbook. I don't, I'm not sure which one, right? Is it one device or two separate devices? Yeah, it could be either. <laughs> right, could right. Either is one. it one device with just a detachable keyboard? Or if mm-hmm. there's an actual laptop and an actual dedicated tablet, yeah. we don't know. The Home Hub looks very nice. Yeah, that it looks does. like something that I would have expected to come from Google. It looks like a first party. Yeah, um, and and we've seen uh, Google Assistant devices with screens from uh, Lenovo and JBL launch, um, and they they've gotten really positive reviews. Everybody seems to like them. But I, I was also curious to see what Google would come out first. Their, as their first party offering. Um, there is a story that w- isn't on our show notes. I don't know how much we want to get into it, but uh, Facebook did launch a uh, Google Home type of device with a screen uh, today called the Portal, uh, the Facebook Portal. Um, I, know, I know, Matt, you didn't include it on the screen, but this reminded me, I think, uh, it sort of offers a similar functionality to the Amazon Echo Show 
um, with video chatting as well as uh, bringing up information that does have Alexa integration um, as well. Um, sorry for everyone who had just triggered their Alexa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should have I used another trigger word. Let me check this out. But yeah, th that was announced today and everybody's like freaking out. No, it was there. Like, I don't want a Facebook camera in my home. This does look just like that, actually. Yeah. Um, it's, it's weird though. The camera follows you. Yeah, so it zooms in on on you when you're if you're it's moving about. <laughs> but Facebook made it very clear that all the processing happens locally on the device, and none of that goes up into the cloud. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. I bet you there's a chip that stops that from happening too on the board, right? And I bet you Google yeah. Plus won't be running on this Home Hub either. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I don't trust this at all. So Facebook can. Can get rid of that because i'm not gonna I'm not you gonna can pre-order it today and it'll ship in november i think hard pass on that pre-order <laughs> um the pixel slate looks interesting moving i'm just gonna force yeah. that topic to move yeah. away because i don't want to talk about that facebook portal thing that's a yeah. privacy yeah. nightmare waiting yeah. to happen let's just ignore um, it until it actually is something we have to talk about it heard it here first <laughs> we'll have to talk about it later um the yeah the pixel book 2 i think like just about all they can do is drop the price and well, make the bezel smaller. It's, you know, speculated too. There's nothing concrete that that's actually happening from yeah. what I've read. Um, but we will see. Uh, the Pixel stand. Pixel stand, yeah. Hottest device of 2018. Wireless charging. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wireless yeah. charging is the future. Pixelbots um, 2... There's a lot of there's a lot of hardware that's supposed to be launching tomorrow. I'm curious to see um, what comes from Pixel Buds too, because the Pixel Buds were cool, but I was honestly underwhelmed. I mm -hmm. I still use mine. I like them. I still I, use them I, too. But... I, I use mine every day, just as a normal Bluetooth headphone. Yeah. Yeah. I right. Don't, I don't um, use any of the well, mostly because I can't, because I'm on an iPhone now. <laughs> but they still work fine as a Bluetooth, you know. And I can still trigger Siri, not Google Assistant, but yeah. I don't even use that feature. To they be do everything that I did with them on the Pixel 2 right. on iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. So that answers my question right there as to like yeah. how useful they'll be in my particular use case. Could um, they potentially, you know, go full wireless, get rid of that middle cable? Although I do like that cable, you know, that's I could what just I was about hang to it around my neck. Uh, um, I, could, I could do without it. Yeah, that's, that's so it's it's, me, it's but... a personal preference. But yeah, I've always liked neck buds better than truly wireless. But um, it... I mean, that would be nice to see an upgrade for them. But um, it's it's been a couple of years, right? Only the one year, right? It's only one yeah, year. Yeah, just one year. Yeah, it feels like it's an older product. Um, just because I've gotten it's it's like so embedded in my like workflow for like just a, for gym and going for runs and all that stuff. Um. But uh, are we? Are what? What are we? What are the odds on that? Everything that we just talked about is wrong. Not everything. Say? Not everything. Yeah, but yeah. Perhaps certain things that haven't leaked. There might be a few surprises. I honestly, I don't see the the Pixel three uh, XL or the regular Pixel three phone not being what has already been leaked. I, I yeah. really highly doubt that. But again, if if they pull that off. Pixel um, Ultra, that, that switcheroo on stage. <laughs> if um, they, yeah. 
if there's a switcheroo it'll obviously be legendary but if there's even not and they use that or is it dot 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 you know and it gets people to watch that also does the trick for them so yeah. right yeah at least in so, terms of views curious they're, they're the pr team is spinning this in as in as in as good of a way as they can to generate hype because the fact that we're sitting here being like what if it's all wrong is like proof that like we haven't we're vested in finding out what is yeah. going to happen tomorrow. right yeah so yeah so... i'll do my best to try to live tweet it yeah um so... that being no promises but if anybody who is hoping for some live tweets uh I may not be able to do that. Unfortunately, <laughs> I won't be able to watch live, so I'll probably not know till the end of the day uh, for me tomorrow mm. uh, what will happen. But if we want to do an emergency episode of something <laughs> breaking, uh, I'm happy to do jump on uh, yep. with whoever wants to join and you know go over what was launched because uh, you know we can cover anything. It's just going to be screaming and showing screenshots <laughs> because we won't be able to talk. At the very least, we'll be sending out some tweets after the fact. Yeah. So yeah, sure. mm -hmm. um, so yeah, Definitely. just just to reiterate that is tomorrow, October 9th is yeah. in New York City. Um, you'll hear everything Google. Yeah, we'll see if they have anything that surprises us. I'm hoping for a big shock, uh, just because I'm an optimist. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Mm hmm um i think that's it i think that's all we got to cover uh just, um, i just want to say i hope google announces new gyroscopes for the hubble space telescope <laughs> <laughs> oh that 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 should be like the surprise is like <laughs> announced oh my god the google the pixel scopes there you go <laughs> gyro um, plus that's it gyro plus that's the surprise we all really wanted. <laughs> we all right, did. all right, I'm done. I'm done. Carry, carry on. I loved it. That is all segues are good segues. You may not believe it, but I do. Um, but to any of our loyal listeners who are following us on the various social medias, um, you have probably learned that Twitter is the best place to keep up with us, even if not just from the last thirty seconds of this conversation. Um, so if you would like to follow us on Twitter, feel free to check us out. Um, we are under Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram under the same account name, Industry40, all spelled out. Um, if you liked what you have heard, feel free to drop us a review across one of our many platforms. Um, you can reach out to us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Twitch. You can reach out to us on Podbean itself. Um, if you would like to drop us a review, visit us at bit.ly slash i40review. Um, and yeah, I think that just about covers it. Yeah. This has this has been episode 71, and we'll see you guys in the next one. 